Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Morning again, church. I'm Pastor Rick. My wife Sherry's been here. Nathaniel, our worship leader, led us in prayer. Good to see you all. It's time for the new wine. The title I've chosen for the thoughts that are stirring in my heart. It's time for the new wine. I really liked one of the verses in the song, for where there's new wine, there's new power, there's new coming upon God's church. Here's a key statement. I believe it's on your note sheet. If it's not, you may want to write it down. God is going to and is already pouring out new wine on his church. I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving upon planet Earth. Now, you have to understand, Jesus said he would build his church. The Holy Spirit is pouring new wine on his church. I hope that he will be doing that upon this congregation because not every local congregation is firmly connected to the uh, universal church. Here's the question based on that statement. If God is going to and is already pouring out new wine on his church, are you as an individual and we as a congregation ready and able to receive this new wine? Are you as an individual and we as a congregation ready and able to receive this new wine? And I'll be perfectly honest If we're not ready as individuals, we'll never get there as a congregation. Because the congregation is composed of you and I, and our willingness to experience, to be ready, to make ourselves ready to receive the new wine of the Holy Spirit makes a difference corporately. So you might say, okay, well, that's a great statement, Pastor Rick, but honestly, what does that mean? Maybe you're new in the faith and this whole new wine thing is new to you. Maybe you've been around for a while and you say, Pastor Rick, I've been hearing people talk about new wine since back 1959. I don't know how old some of you are, or 69, or 79, or 89, and you're saying, I don't know what it is. I don't know that I've ever seen it, but people have been talking about it. So I'm going to attempt this week, next week, and I'm not sure how long um, I'm going to speak this series, but this is certainly a theme we're going to have. So my task, I believe my task is to help communicate the heart of God to each and every one of us regarding the topic of new wine and what it means for you and I. Now, please understand that God loves you. Whether you've been walking with him for three weeks, three days, three hours, or 30 years, God loves you. He desires for you to be all that he created you to be. He desires to pour new wine. And it doesn't necessarily only happen in buildings. I think that there is something when the people of God gather together, a tangible sense of his presence, the opportunity like we had this morning to respond to what the Holy Spirit was doing and to come forward. But even alone, maybe you're in an automobile listening to this by audio. Maybe you're in your living room today 
watching this. God loves you, and he desires to pour new wine upon you. Jesus spoke about new wine, and we're going to look at the passage in Luke's gospel where he did. But what Jesus was saying is this. When God chooses to move in new ways, Jesus said it's as if God is pouring new wine. Now, for the original people that heard Jesus share this story, the new wine would have been a powerful illustration to them, a powerful symbol, and the parable would not necessarily need explaining. Because new wine symbolized to the Jewish people, it was a symbol of the blessing and the favor of God. It was a symbol of something new and fresh that God was doing. It was a symbol of God doing a new thing, moving in a new way, altering and changing things for the advancement of the kingdom. It was also the symbol of something potent because new wine was wine that was still in the fermenting process and that could place pressure on its storage containers, specifically wine skins. It would put them under a lot of pressure. And new wine also in the Old Testament was often mentioned during times of celebration and it was associated with great joy. Now, something powerful, potent, fresh, a new move of God, something that brings joy, isn't that something we should all desire? Doesn't it sound like something we should get ready for? The blessing, the favor, God doing a new thing. So that's what we're going to talk about. Our text today is Luke's Gospel, 5th chapter, verses 33 through 39. And as you're turning there in your Bible or on your devices, let me give you some background as to what was happening so that we can understand what Jesus meant and what he was communicating. Because if we do not understand what Jesus was speaking to the people of that day, it's going to be very difficult for us to take this concept and bring it to our lives personally. So let me give you some background. Jesus was doing ministry. He's called the 12. He's going about healing. He's going about teaching. Um, but he's doing some things that are going against the status religious quo. The status quo said that rabbis, teachers, spiritual leaders would hang around people that were like them. Yet Jesus was breaking that and hanging around people that were unlike him, unlike them at all. In fact, he had the audacity. Jesus had the audacity to call a tax collector by the name of Levi. Actually, we know him as Matthew. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He had the audacity to call a tax collector the most despised of sinners. Tax collectors were put into the same category as sinners as harlots and everybody else. They were despised. Yet Jesus called one to be one of his closest followers. That was breaking tradition. And so what happened is people were beginning to question whether Jesus could truly be a rabbi, although they see his power, so they know something is going on here. So a discussion comes up on the topic of fasting. And Jesus responds to not only the question, but then he tells two parables. He tells about a wedding, old and new cloth, and new wine. Our, what we're doing today is... We're going to talk about the new wine. But again, before we get there, we need to understand what they would have seen. So in this, in this 
parable, Jesus talks about new wine and wine skins, the way the new wine was stored. And many of us, when we think of a wine skin, probably think of something like this, a modern wineskin, something that you would take with you on a hike, something that you would take with you to hold some type of liquid, whether it be wine or something else, that's not what the Jewish people would have seen in their minds because they've seen lots of wineskins. They would look like this. They're actually in the shape of an animal, a goat or a sheep. After the animal has been slaughtered and the usable meat has been taken off of it and the, uh, the uh, interior parts have been thrown away, the leather skin is prepared. The head is cut off, the tail is cut off, the hooves are cut off or the feet are cut off, and the rest of it is stitched together to make something that would look like this. The head portion is tied, the leg portions are sort of tied together, and this is what they would pour this new wine in. New wine was what's called potent wine. It was still fermenting. In the fermentation process of wine, gases are formed, primarily carbon dioxide. And be, as the gas is formed, it needed room. And so the new wineskin, the wineskin that can hold this, needed the ability to flex. It needed the ability to grow. It needed the ability to allow this gas to slowly escape as the wine was fermenting. If the wineskin was old, rigid, stiff, and wine, new wine was put into it, the fermenting process would destroy the wineskin. It would, it, it would shatter in its stiffness, and all of the wine, which was a very uh, precious liquid to them, would be lost. So, with that picture in mind of what a wineskin looked like in their days and how they handled wineskins, now let's read our text. Uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, starting in verse 33. One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Now, for me personally, I just have a real question. How did they know that? And it really brings out how, much, how under scrutiny Jesus and his disciples were. How did they know that they were just eating and drinking and not fasting? They were under that kind of scrutiny. But the question was, John the Baptist, he was a prophet. We know he was a prophet. We believe he was a prophet. He, he fasted, and so did his disciples. And the Pharisees, they have a very strict fast. In the Jewish uh, culture, especially for religious leaders, there was fasting that took place almost on a weekly basis. Um, I should have done a little more research on this to tell you how often they fasted, but on, probably on a weekly basis, fasting was going on. And so Jesus' disciples and Jesus are doing ministry, but people are observing, hey, they're not following the fast that Pharisees and religious leaders do. So Jesus responded, verse 34, do wedding guests fast while celebrating the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. Verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. 
for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. What's Jesus getting at? First of all, I need to set the context for you. You need to understand what he was saying to the Jewish believers so that then we can take it into the modern context. This whole concept of new wine in a new wineskin, Jesus was talking about something that was incredibly radical. And he's saying, what's radical about putting wine in wineskins? No, what he meant by this was radical. Let me explain. Jesus was saying God was now giving the Jewish people and the nation of Israel and really the world new wine. This new wine was coming through him, through Jesus. The new wine was the new covenant. It was the kingdom of God. It was salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Jesus was going to fulfill the requirements of the law. Now hear this. This is what he's saying. This is why it's so radical. And he would make the old law obsolete. He was going to fulfill the requirements of the sacrificial law, and he was going to make it obsolete. Jesus was going to make the sacrificial system and the temple obsolete. That is a radical change for Jews who for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have been sacrificing animals at the temple. The temple fires burn 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that the sacrifices of the people for sin could be burnt, for the sacrifices of the entire nation could be burnt. Jesus was telling them in this illustration that the new thing he was doing, the new wine that was coming, was going to totally make everything they had been doing obsolete. That was radical. God was going to reach and touch the world in a new way. God was sending new wine on the world, and that new wine was going to require new wineskins. Jesus was clearly teaching the Jews that he was the new wine and the new way that God was going to move on planet Earth. His new covenant, here's this, his new covenant would not and could not be placed in traditional Judaism. David H. Stern in the Jewish New Testament commentary, this is a, a Jewish man, a Messianic Jew who's writing this, said this about the passage of the new wine if one tries to put new wine, messianic faith, into old wineskins, traditional Judaism, the faith is lost and Judaism is ruined. Messianic living cannot be poured into old religious forms if they remain rigid. There's much we're going to say about that in the, in the weeks to come. I'm not going to be able to talk too much about it today. But are you hearing what this is, this is a Jewish man who's writing this from a Jewish perspective of the scripture, which is the perspective. Jesus was a Jew. The 12 were Jews. The early church was fully Jewish, yet at the same time, 
Jesus was saying, traditional Judaism is going to be at my resurrection obsolete. Actually, at his death, it was obsolete. And do you know one of the things Jesus did, actually God the Father did, to show that it was obsolete, something that was a miracle of God, could never have been done except by the hand of God, the veil in the temple was torn. The veil which separated the regular people from the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go in once a year and pour blood on the mercy seat. The veil was torn and rent. It was as if God is saying, this system is now finished. It is completed. Jesus didn't make the law obsolete. He fulfilled the law. He became the perfect sacrifice. That which was no longer is. Again, David Stern's quote, if one tries to put new wine, messianic faith, into old wineskins, traditional Judaism, the faith is lost and Judaism ruined. Messianic living cannot be poured into the, in the old religious forms if they remain rigid. And in the early church, there was some of this going on. That believers should be circumcised and they needed to follow the law of Moses. And the early church worked through this. The other part was Gentiles were now being welcomed. You and I were being welcomed fully. The new wine of God came, and it changed everything. So with that understanding of what Jesus was saying about new wine, new wineskins, old wineskins, rigid wineskins, supple wineskins, we're now going to begin to see how does this apply to you and I today. If you have a note sheet, go ahead and pull it out. I have a few fill-ins. We're not going to go through the whole thing this week. What does it mean today? First of all, number one, when God moves in new ways, and remember, I said I believe God is going to and is already pouring out new wine on his church, which means God is moving in new ways. When God moves in new ways, he cannot pour this newness into old religious forms if they remain Rigid. The wine is lost and the wineskin is destroyed. The wine is lost and the wineskin is destroyed. So, since God cannot pour this new wine into old religious forms, He is looking for people and churches that are not rigid. There are rigid mainline churches, there are rigid Pentecostal churches, there are rigid charismatic churches. There are rigid independent churches. There are rigid denominational churches. There are rigid churches. God is looking for churches and individuals that are not rigid because the new wine cannot be poured into old religious systems, old religious forms that are rigid. I'm going to make two statements here. I want you to hear these statements. So if you kind of tune me out for a second, you're writing some notes, finish writing your notes, hear these two statements. I'm, I'm just trying to share what God has been putting on my heart, what's been stirring within me. Sometimes God has to pass over the places, the churches, the denominations, or the people he has used in the past because they have become rigid. Sometimes God has to pass over the places, the churches, the denominations, or the people he has used in the past because they have become rigid. The second statement. Sometimes God has to pass over the places, the churches, the denominations, 
or the people he has used in the past because they are looking backwards at the ways God worked then. They will not accept or they just miss what God wants to do now. Let that sink in. Is it possible this describes me or it describes you? Someone that God has to pass over because we become rigid. Is it possible that this describes CFA? It's my desire that it's not. That's why I'm preaching this. That's why I've been praying some very specific things we're going to talk about at the close of this message so that I would not be a pastor who is rigid. The older we get, the longer we walk with God, the easier it is for us to become rigid in our ways. Rigid in the way we do church. Rigid in the ways that we expect God to move. Or, as some of my generation, we begin to look back. You know, we'll have those times when we get together. Do you remember when? And it's good to remember when. But just because God worked that way then doesn't mean that's how he's going to work now or tomorrow or next week or whenever he pours this new wine. I don't want this to be me or our church that God would somehow pass us over. My prayer has been, this is just a short prayer, God pour new wine on us, pour new wine on me. But for me to pray that prayer, I have to be willing to be a new wineskin which we don't have enough time to get into what all that requires, so you can't miss next week. If you can't be here, then don't miss the feed. Second thing this morning is this. I cannot receive what is new as long as I am holding on to what is old. I cannot receive what is new as long as I am holding on to what is old. It's okay to have memories of the old. It's okay to have memories of the old, but not to hold on to it. I, as an individual at various times in my ministry, wanted to hold on to the ways that had worked for me as a pastor or as a, as a, as a worship leader a few years back or even a couple of years back. But something was changing, and I had to be, a, be sensitive to the Spirit. I had to be sensitive to what God was doing and say, okay, God, how do I apply this? What are you doing? What are you saying? I had some wonderful models of men who stayed uh, soft and supple and able to handle new wine. I will share some stories uh, as, I, as I continue to teach on this theme. I don't have time to do it today. But please understand, you cannot receive what is new as long as you are holding on to what is old. I've so had to, radic I had to, had to so alter the way that a worship service was put together and conducted. Some things are the same because I feel that's what God wants. Not everything's going to change when new wine comes because God holds on to some things, but other things need to change. Two questions. Two questions that I'm asking myself, I'm going to ask you. Is it possible that you and I are rigid in the ways in which we expect God to move or desire God to move? So let me say, I can't be rigid. I've never seen God move. Then you're probably not. 
Is it possible that you and I are rigid because we are expecting and looking for God to move in the same manner as he did in the past? Is it possible that you and I are rigid in the ways in which we expect God to move and desire God to move? I will share one story without revealing information as to who this individual is. It's an individual I know personally. I saw this individual used powerfully by God. I admired them. I watched how God used them and how the Spirit of God moved in the services they conducted. People getting saved, filled with the Spirit, healed, touched by God, some going down in the power of the Spirit. It was an incredible time. The joy. Remember I said one of the things about new wine is it usually comes with great joy. And that took place and that took place. But as this individual got older, they kept trying to replicate and duplicate what God had done a few years in the past to the point where their ministry, which at one time was fresh and vital, now had very little of the anointing or presence of God as hard as this individual tried. And I'm not sure why they weren't able to um, hear the Spirit at this time, maybe what had happened before was so powerful they knew that God wouldn't or couldn't move in any other way. But as I have observed things like that, I've asked myself the question. Every morning I wake up and I look in the mirror and I don't say this out loud, but I feel it sometimes. I'm not getting any younger. You, you notice that? I don't know if you've noticed it. Sherry's not getting any younger. You're not getting any younger. I don't want to be passed over when God pours new wine now. Which means I need to ask myself these questions. Is it possible that I am rigid in the ways in which I expect God to move or desire God to move? Or is it possible that I am rigid because I'm expecting and looking for God to move in the same manner that he did in the past? That's what I'm asking myself. That's what I want the, you to ask yourself. Because if this is going to be a church that God is not going to pass over, that God is going to say, church, here is my new wine, here is my fresh move, here is the power of God to work in your midst, it's going to require us as individuals to have hearts open towards that. And it's going to require, as you'll see next week, we as individuals to allow God to do some work in us. All of us or some of us. But God has to do this work before he can pour the new wine in. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show me and to show each of us. I'm asking you if you'll say, Holy Spirit, let me know if and where I am rigid. Now, I want to give you some good news today. I don't have time to teach on this. I'm going to teach specifically on this next week. I want to give you some, new, uh, some good news today. Even an old, dried up, and rigid wineskin can be made new and fresh. Even an old, dried up, and rigid wineskin can be made new and fresh again. Jesus communicates that in this passage, but we need to go to the Greek to understand it. We don't have time for that today. So much more I want to share.
I want to begin to close, and I want the team to start their way back to the platform to remind you that God loves you. He is not, I don't, no, I know he is not having me, asking me to communicate this information to you because he's trying to um, somehow beat you up. He loves you. He wants you as an individual to flow into everything he has. He wants you as an individual to receive the new wine of God, the freshness, the joy, the power of God in your life. He loves you, and this is what he wants. If you're new in the faith, you've never experienced this before, you're probably in better shape than some of us who've been walking for a while and have gotten a little bit stiff or a lot stiff, a little bit rigid or a lot rigid. Some of us have gotten all wrinkly on the inside and on the outside outside um, as we've gotten older in the faith. But God can make us new again, and we'll talk about that next week. Sometimes God has to pass over the places, the churches, the denominations, or the people he has used in the past because they have become rigid. And sometimes God has to pass over the places, the churches, the denominations, or the people he has used in the past because they are looking backward at the ways God worked then. They will not accept or they just miss what God wants to do now. I have been praying for the past 18 months to two years for myself. In fact, this week, I actually re-energized some of this praying. I've been praying prayers similar to this. They're coming up on the screen. They're in your notes. And I'm wondering if you would pray these also. Let me Explain what they are. Lord, I humbly submit myself to you. Do whatever is needed to my heart and my life to make me soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid that I may be able to receive new wine. Then, Lord, I humbly submit this church to you. Do whatever is needed to make us soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid, that we may be able to receive new wine. It is my personal belief over the years as I've studied the revivals that have been able to be documented, and most of the ones documented really came when writing and printing, but there were times where others were documented. Every revival was a new wine move of God. Every revival. I might talk about some of those as this series goes on, but every revival was a new wine move of God, and every revival looked different. The way that God moved in the days of Jonathan Edwards is totally different than the ways that God moved in Azusa Street or with Chuck Smith or with Oral Roberts or with Billy Graham. One of the keynotes of revival and one of the things that I desire more than anything else, I want us to have joy. I want us to have freshness. I want us to see souls, dozens and hundreds of souls coming to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's truly revival. That's truly revival. New souls coming into the kingdom and it requires of us to be subtle, supple, soft and flexible. I want those prayers to come back up on the screen, please. I'm going to ask you not to pray very loudly, 
but to pray, to actually speak these words. If this is what you desire the Holy Spirit to do in you, read them off the screen as I read them. We're first of all going to pray for ourselves, then I will pray, and then we're going to pray for the church. If this is what you want, would you repeat with me these words? Lord, I humbly submit myself to you. Do whatever is needed to my heart and my life to make me soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid, that I may be able to receive new wine. Lord, you have heard us speak this prayer from our lips. Lord, for some, there may be a little bit of anxiety because what will this look like? But Lord, I pray that you would walk us into the place where your spirit can do what is needed in our hearts and our lives, that you can pour out your new wine on us individually. And now let's pray the next part of this, the prayer for the church. Uh, praying with me, Lord, I humbly submit this church to you. Do whatever is needed to make us soft, flexible, fresh, and not rigid, that we may be able to receive new wine. Lord, CFA is your church. It's not ours. It's not the leadership's. It's yours. I and the leadership submit ourselves to you that you can have your way here. That a true revival may come upon our community. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Remain seated just for a little bit. I'll come back up and I'll, I'll tell you when it's time to stand. But the team is going to lead us in that song again about new wine. Would you begin to sing along with them while you remain seated? Cause 
you choose how you wish to respond to the challenge of both this message and this song. Some of you may want to make your way down front. Pray this prayer and this song while you stand very close to the platform. Just kind of a way of saying, God, here I am. Let that breaking, let that crushing come upon me. I'm, I'm wanting you to work in my heart. Some of you, you're just more comfortable staying at your seat. As long as you're engaging with the Holy Spirit. We sing the chorus and the bridge part of this song. If you want to move from your seat to do so, whenever you're comfortable. If you want to stay there. But hear what this song is saying. And let the Holy Spirit begin to prepare your heart. So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring the wine out of me. So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring the wine out of me. Jesus, bring wine out of me cause where there is new wine 
you need to do, but you can use this in the way you desire. Thank you for the promise of what is coming. We look forward with anticipation and expectation to you moving in us individually and corporately. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.